Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Equally Lost, the weekly podcast on design, business, and existential crisis with Sophia. Gosh, I got this right. The only time Elsa is not doing the podcast with me. Yeah, guys, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but today you have to stick with my cranky international accent that disguises some Italian accent between some of the words. And yeah. I'm also been missing Elsa and her suiting British voice, um, which I'm really, really jealous of, to be honest. Although we'll never tell her. <laughs> no, I mean she knows. Yeah, so this this feel weird this feels weird without my co-host with me. Um, but I still would like to share a highlight of my week. Um, when by now we will be having our usual catch-up, what did you do this week, etc. And mine is that I started pole dancing. I went to my very, very first class and I am in love. It's like the coolest shit on earth. I wonder, and I can only learn about the basic tricks, but it just feels so empowering because the way your um, your choreography looks um, once, once you're done with it is directly related to the amount of effort like physical effort that you put into it like how much strength you use in your arms how much strength you put in your toes and in order to spin around the pole and I just found that so incredibly motivating and also such like a mindful exercise as well because you have to be thinking about balancing the strength up across different parts of your body in order to get the right uh, speed for um your spins and your jumps and you know while trying to look gracious more or less um but what I really liked the most about the class was the very chill environment very wholesome very body positive you know there were people uh, they were completely different from each other and some people were obviously more advanced some were like starting from scratch but it was just a really good learning atmosphere as where everyone was feeling like encouraged and it really broke the eyes because you know like pole dancing has the reputation of being like this sport that like really hot people do <laughs> and and you know it's just like a really amazing creative practice and I think I'm gonna continue it because I really miss some sort of like dancing or some sort of like more creative sport activity and I really like the the, the way not the way so I really like the opportunity to create choreographs and like build scenes um with movement which is something I've been missing like for a while now anyways I'm done with pole dancing another thing that I came across this week that I really liked um I'm just going to comment on it really short um really briefly is um this episode uh from the foreign policy podcast which is called and now and now the hard part and it's by foreign policy magazine as i said but um basically and now the hard uh, part show podcast show has divided into like some sections and this one um belongs to the global reboot talks which obviously you know i focus on of course the post-pandemic world this part uh, so this episode was titled is capitalism broken and you know that immediately caught my attention and listened to it and he was calling in a professor from UCL and a professor from the University of Chicago who also has been the former the former governor of 
the Reserve Bank of India um, as well. Long story short, I'm not going to bore you guys with <laughs> pandemic stuff. I think we talked about it enough already in our previous episode. But it had some really good reflection points about the stimulus strategies that have been implemented by governments in order to rescue specific sectors of the economy. And what really um, the main message was uh, trying trying to you know send across was that yes like we had unprecedented stimulus and a unprecedented fiscal response but you know perhaps we should have revised not just the size of the stimulus like we did but the contractual priorities embedded within that so uh, you know obviously with the pandemic we've seen for example a lot of an increase a sudden increase in inequality that was unprecedented from before and you know the main argument that they were making is that if you're giving like furlough schemes or employment um, unemployment benefits to people you should perhaps also put in place some spending that and that upfront that's dedicated to bridging the social inequality gaps among people such as in education for example and you know so like think of long-term strategy and also another good point they made was about the amount of funds that were going into the um, airline industry, which obviously has been affected by COVID because it basically put a stop to international travel. And it was talking about how, yes, it was a duty of the government to support such industry that was, in, was suffering. But what if instead there was also a contractual obligation in giving that support and making sure as a collateral of the contract to have um, some carbon emission strategies in order to tackle uh, one of the biggest issues of the airline industry, which is air pollution and the carbon footprint that they produce. And I thought that was a really good, like a good point because it really shows how difficult it is the job of the job of fiscal policy of not only spending money but knowing how to spend it, when to spend it, and yeah. So I would really recommend you guys to give a listen. I'll put um, the link into the episode descriptions. But anyways, enough with the pandemic. <laughs> we could be speaking about some fun stuff like astrology, because why not? <laughs> okay, so why do I want to talk about astrology? Because you know how you lay in bed and you have like this 3am <laughs> searches on Google where you basically just you know, search up why avocado is called avocado and I don't know, like, why, why, why did, why do they call the underground subway in the US and the tube in London, stuff like that. Uh, so I was like, and it was, I was up at until 3am the other night thinking about what to say in this podcast. And then suddenly I was, and while I was procrastinating my plan for the podcast, I had this idea in mind. It was like, wait, why are people so into astrology? <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And that led to a series of deep Google searches um, that brought about anthropological theories, psychological theories, historical explanations. And I thought I'll share, I'll share them with you. Um, would you, the audience? I don't know, it feels weird. I keep like talking about the audience because I'm like, I don't have, Elsa on the other side that would normally like respond to what I'm saying um it just feels more natural to imagine that there's like there's someone else that's listening anyways um so astrology 
How can we define astrology? Well, astrology can be understood as the study of celestial objects and their movements, and is used as a way of divining information about human affairs and world events. Do not confuse astrology with astronomy. <laughs> and for as much as astrology has been a millennial practice in Eastern culture, um, it has gained like a recent boom in the Western world in light of once again, the pandemic, you know, social media really helped popularize the subject of astrology and, you know, this very ancient practice is now, you know, an ecosystem of Instagram pages, memes, astrology influencers, astrology apps on the market like CoStar, Sanctuary, etc. And, you know, that are giving like people on-demand, online, personalized horoscopes and like birth charts, all of that jazz. And why like, why did it get popularized so much? And the reason is, well, there are a lot of reasons and not reasons, like more like hypothesis about it. And one is that if we connect this boom with the time in which it originated and starting to really pick up um, amounts of social media that um, unfortunately coincides with the time in which most of the world was under lockdown and so you know this um, according uh, to a religion anthropologist from Ghent University in Belgium they increased interest in astrology occurred at a time of very intense social instability and in such time you know human nature would turn, turn naturally turn to higher powers for help but as our society is characterized by growing religious apathy and creating a void in the West and young people have been, you know, increasingly seeking out new belief systems and, you know, astrology came there to replace it in a sense. And also I think the reason why it replaced it and it was an adaptable, adaptable belief system is also through the medium in which it spread, um, which is basically online, on Twitter, Instagram, um, which are, you know, things that people use daily and then yeah again there's uncertainty social instability or certainty is also another is also one of music is the main supporting argument for the reason why it's spread and if it has like astrology in itself according to psychology also has enough like structure um, to be considered a system of knowledge and so because of this um, structure and the abstraction as well that it that it brings with the more generic specifications of the main the main features of the star signs and the moon and the houses you know it allows people to imagine and apply you know astrology astrological ideas into reality but then how do these ideas get accepted into our reality it's not just because of their applicability but it's because of something that in psychology is called barnum effect so this barnum effect is a psychological pattern that occurs when people give higher currency endorsements uh, to descriptions of personality traits that they, they think they are like specifically tailored um, to them. So, you know, like uh, Scorpio is described like this, a Leo is described as loyal. And so you obviously think, you know, that that, that applies to you because descriptions tend to be, you know, big enough um, to be applied to many people. And because the descriptions are vague, it's really easy to apply and to create your own meaning, like find space for your own meaning within that. But what's interesting about this Barnum effect is not just that it helped popularize astrology, but 
it also highlights one of the positive aspects of astrology according to some of the most recent science which is the fact that given that astrology is fundamentally concerned with human character and with human nature it provides a really useful tool for people to navigate through new ways of emotional intelligence like new ways of emotional empathy to to deal in their personal relationships let me give you an example i am a leo i'm a very loyal person and i know that someone that's like a virgo like elsa <laughs> um like elsa is someone that's very precise very rational relies on concise communication and if you know this you can adapt yourself to this person and you would you know definitely fit like you would definitely you know create a better human connection with this person so you know it just gives you some indication somewhat some indication of how people may be feeling based on this um there's um descriptions obviously this is a double-edged sword in the sense that these are still generic descriptions and it's not like everyone that's born in september under the sign of virgos gonna have the same uh general features and so whilst it may help you know connecting with people on a more deeper level or you know trying to like read read not connecting but i would say it helps reading people faster if you know like this set of predetermined characteristics based on their zodiac sign i think it also you know can dangerously end in overgeneralization um about people and preconceptions um about their character without really having having known them long enough in order to judge them um you know think about all the negative signs about i don't know for example leos are said to be very really egocentric um which may not necessarily be the case with everyone another point i want to make about this barnum effect is that it's not only not only in, it can risk into in only it carries the risk of you know attaching new new found labels onto people but it can also perpetuate a system of what i call self victimism let me explain in psychology there's this other theory that's called this like freudian psychology and then there is a delirium psychology basically with freudian psychology um, there's this whole idea that you are the person that you are today as a result of your trauma or past events and you know there's a very causal implication between what happened to you and the person you're now so if you have a bad relationship with your dad and because of that you can all have like healthy healthy friendship or healthy relationships you know it's the fault of your dad according to freudian psychology whilst for adlerian psychology the idea is that yes your dad definitely contributed you to contribute to your suffering but you know you're in control of what you can do now and you are you know you're using your dad as the way to justify your intent which is not to actually build healthy relationships and that's not because you're inherently incapable to it's just that you're using your past event not to like put enough effort to take like full ownership what is the present moment and leaving like what's behind more or less another <laughs> better way to describe this and with astrology you know like it's it's kind of the same like if you set up the system of uh barnum effects of so like general uh, generally vague descriptions that are very 
adaptable, very suitable to any kind of person than you perpetuate. As these are preconceptions and preset beliefs about individual people and how they behave. And, you know, you may use astrology as a new adapter way to justify your behavior when you just don't want to take like full responsibility or ownership of it. Like, you know, um, I am selfish because I am a Leo or I am unforgiving because I'm a Scorpio. I don't think it's because you're Leo or Scorpio, it's just because you don't want to be like the other version of it. Another fun fact is astrology was first published on a Western newspaper in Britain in the 1930s on the Britain Sunday Express because uh, on the way in the 1930s when on the 1990, 20, 29 you had the Wall Street clash and so it was commissioned uh, you know for people to uplift their spirits um, give them some guidance and now as a result of the pandemic we're like in this boom um, again well personally like I like astrology a lot like I find it super interesting and I also like I'm so addicted to as- astrology memes on the internet uh, but I do still believe that the scientists that I've read um, those articles I've read do raise like important points about emotional empathy and like labeling and like sociological interactions that may be built based on new knowledge systems and belief systems such as the one that astrology proposes anyways i thought i can end on a funny story so this story is a story of how i almost lost my leg (laughs) yes almost lost my leg i said it twice on purpose and which casually happened at the same time of my life in which I started to gain like the awareness of being the raging (laughs) radical feminist I am today so (laughs) how did I lose my leg and how did I become a feminist um actually I need to explain the latter before I explain the former so I I mean the story pertains to like my old self when I was like eight years old and basically uh, when I was eight years old and what happened was um, that I grew up in a traditional like Italian family uh, with very specified gender roles but you know I had the fortune of having like a working mom that was working like long hours that for the time like I was growing up it was like considered as out of the norm like it, it wouldn't be unnatural for a woman to be employed but it would be unnatural for a woman to come back on my APM and not a four and come back at my APM and still have to cook dinner you know and so I grew up with um you know seeing my mom as like an example of a person that works hard and you know works hard for herself and you know maintaining some well-being and financial well-being um, whilst at the same time I was hearing you know um comments about my mom not being like good enough of uh of like traditional like household household mother household wife because you can't work so much because you won't have time to pay attention to the kids etc all that kind of bullshit and that was coupled with my granddad actually who with me or like some of my relatives or some of like my teachers at school never like perpetuated that like gender role influence dynamic or like general narrative when talking to me like I remember like he was always very open about what I could do when I was like growing up uh, what I wanted to study 
like for him there was no such thing as something that was like male like specifically male or specifically like female like I remember it would be like oh what did you do today I was like oh I climbed up the trees and he was like yo yo that's really cool what did you like about the trees whilst I had another grandma who I love dearly dearly but she's more like conservative on this aspect I was like you climb up the trees you're gonna fall you're gonna like hurt yourself why don't you play like with the dolls and like why don't you play you know why don't you do more like feminine stuff why don't you throw things etc and you know just having like grown up with this narrative from my granddad like really made me feel like everything was acceptable and accessible for me and I had my mom like as the empirical example of that and so when I was you know growing up um, and I started like identifying other people that would maybe perhaps be disagreeing with what I was usually told at home that's when I started developing this like sense of like rebellion and um, rebellion and like this sense of like injustice of you know but why like I also want to play with the boys like hide and seek and like fall in the mud and get all dirty ruin my clothes and have fun I don't want to like you know stay seated and do like arts and crafts yeah that's cool but like I don't want to do that all like throughout, throughout the entire afternoon and so this led me <laughs> in my rebellious stage to almost lose my leg <laughs> because I was on vacation uh, with my family and some family friends um, and there were like um, some kids with us and it was obviously playing with them because we were like our age, we all grew up together and we were on a boat, <laughs> like not a motor boat, but like um, uh, I was in a dinghy, uh, like a rubber dinghy and we were like um, going from a beach to another beach and like our parents were like taking us there you know for like having the experience we were all like wearing life vests and life jackets um but you know they just we were like on vacation there blah 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 and I remember like getting into this argument about being strong and like how and it was like this little kid that was like oh no girls are like weaker like you know like you need the vest more than us like I don't want to swim I don't need to wear it and I was like no I also know how to swim I don't want to wear it and he was like no but you need that because you're like a small girl blah 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 <laughs> and then the, all like the our argument escalated into us um having this there about jumping off the dinghy and see who could like swim the most and so I obviously did with the dinghy that was turned on <laughs> and my mom and I said they jumped and then it was turned on and they went going and my mom was like are you incredibly worse she was like are you fucking crazy like you could have lost your leg like through um the um, engine of the dinghy and I was like oh yeah no but I want to like win the dare so yeah long story short it was my story about almost losing a leg <laughs> and the response of my mom was obviously to you know be incredibly uh, worried about my safety and I think like the next day like as soon as we came back from vacation she <laughs> insured me against anything because she was like I'm not gonna trust you like you're too dangerous for yourself um so yeah this is how these are like my early memories memories of being a feminist how I lost my leg and how I got insured by my mom she took out the insurance now but I think I need it (laughs) again um especially since I broke my arm but well I think this can lead us to the end of this very rambly episode hope you guys enjoyed it 
um, please follow us on iTunes, uh, on Spotify. Do give us a review, really helps a lot. And find us on Instagram at equallylostpodcast.com. No, not .com, equallylostpodcast. Um, so yeah, see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.